Chapter 2 Draper's Girl The tall blonde, known only as Draper's Girl, looked at her phone and held up a finger to the gentleman who lay on the ground next to a size-appropriate hole in the desert. Duct tape was wound tightly around his ankles and wrists. Hmm, good cell service, she thought. Sorry, I gotta get this. Won't be long, huh? She had the easy-going voice of a college co-ed. The man on the ground would have shouted, What the fuck? But the tape covering his mouth wouldn't allow it. She answered her phone on the third ring. Draper's voice had been burnished by years of expensive bourbon and the finest cigars, but today it had an edge. His best agent listened without interruption while he expressed his disappointment with her results. Had he been anyone but Draper, he would have been in the dead column by now. She didn't appreciate unsolicited opinions and didn't view negative reviews of her work as opportunities for personal growth. But Draper was more than her employer. He was the closest thing to family that she had. She knew the relationship was twisted, but she liked her work, especially her current assignment. Behind the $5,000 suit and custom shoes, Draper was every bit the cold-blooded killer he had trained her to be. He no longer got his hands dirty, leaving that to others while he focused on the big picture of running a small empire. Draper was part politician and all business, the keys to holding a multi-billion dollar corporate crime syndicate together. Not easy considering the massive egos and new financial regulations and analytics platforms designed to ferret out the slightest hint of corporate fraud. The organization, as it was affectionately known to its members, was in good shape for now. However, he could see the landscape changing as surely as if it was one of the war zones he had served in during a previous life. He's a dead end. I haven't found it, she said. Draper gathered himself. He is no goddamn dead end, and you know it. I've got a friend, a man I served with, and a key member of our U.S. operations that ate a fucking bullet because of Jack Glasser. Hell, while he watched. If he figured out what Malcolm was doing for us, that means he's closer than we thought. He's figured out a way to pierce the veil. Your job was to find out how he did it. I'm the one that tipped you off about Malcolm in the first place. I gathered that intelligence. It was low-hanging fruit, and it was easy as a phone tap. There's really nothing else to it. Jack Glasser has a nose for numbers and a whole hell of a lot of luck. Shit, Malcolm's trading activities was like a fucking neon sign, Draper replied. If there's nothing like you say, how did he know to short agrifuse? Oh, and while we're at it, how did he know to invest in the dog shit startup that agrifuse just bought? You have any thoughts on that? His agent was silent. This was news to her. She hadn't heard anything about that. She couldn't keep tabs on everything, but as a field agent for the organization, it wasn't a good position to be in. Draper calmed down a bit. Look, it's time. You may not have found out how, but there's no way Jack Glasser could have guessed right that many times over the past two years. It's an impossibility. She thought about what he said, arranging the thoughts in her head like puzzle pieces, trying to see if she could get any of them to fit. Her task had been straightforward. 
observe a rich, young, pain-in-the-ass who had taken market positions tied to organization member companies, ones that no one would have taken without inside information or a tool that could see inside the organization's market manipulations. They had ruled out the possibility of insiders from within the organization a year ago. And since then, she had surveilled Jack Glasser relentlessly for 11 months, waiting for him to slip up. But he hadn't. She'd planted listening devices in his office and a few promising areas of his monster's house, but it was a waste of time. Jack's company, Glasser Consulting, was one of the most technically astute and security-conscious firms they'd come up against. None of the listening devices in their house worked. It was blocked by some sort of radio blanket, they assumed. A device planted at the Glasser corporate office was the only listening device that was currently working, and only in Jack's office. She'd been unable to gain access to the others. Jack's market trades were most likely all online. If he indeed had an algorithm he used or communication with an outsider, then it would have most likely been in the form of digital communication. That in itself was their biggest problem. Glasser Consulting, as well as Jack, his brother Luke, and their employees left no digital trail. Their digital security protocols were so tight, they'd been all but impenetrable. And the organization had tried. Draper had unleashed his personal army of Israeli-based cyber pros to tease out information and hack the Glasser systems. But all efforts had failed. The entirety of the Glasser enterprise and their digital communications were successfully shielded behind a wall of encryption. The organization efforts had been the equivalent of trying to sink a battleship with a pellet gun. That's why Draper's Girl was now leading their efforts, using old-school spycraft and attempting to get close to Jack Glasser to find something, anything that would lead them to his trading methods and ultimately his motivations for poking around the edges and making money off the organization's carefully crafted web of market manipulation. She was at her wit's end and getting nowhere. It was evident in her tone with Draper. If Jack Glasser ever spoke with anyone about his trades or what he was hedging. He didn't do it in his office, and he didn't mention anything about his methods in casual conversation. In her mind, he just didn't fit the profile anyway. Her take was he was just unusually smart, which was why his consulting company did so well. Maybe he was the certifiable genius that a few dark anonymous web avatars asserted, or maybe he was just lucky. She certainly didn't see him as an unwitting frontman or a cutout for some government organization, or even a competing operation. But according to Draper, Jack Lasser's recent work convinced an organization member to believe that the government was on to him and the organization, then eat a bullet accordingly. Jack was what he appeared to be to her, a smart guy who was damaged on quite a few levels. She thought about his brother Luke. She almost laughed at the thought, He's a fuck-up. She returned to Draper. I've been on him relentlessly. I haven't seen anything regarding a government program or a personal project he's working on. I haven't heard that we're on his radar at all. I'm confident Malcolm was somehow flagged and Jack was brought in to consult. Your crack cyber team hasn't hacked shit, and the listening devices in his offices haven't picked up anything to the contrary. Shit, he's the easiest guy in the world to surveil. He's either at his office jogging around that stupid golf course, or on his couch eating nachos. Hell, he smokes enough weed to put a small city in a coma. 
She shuddered at the thought, knowing the person she was spying on had in fact been in a coma. He can barely function sometimes. I'm telling you, he's just getting lucky. It's all coincidental. Draper was quiet for a moment. She could tell he wasn't buying it. Finally, he broke his silence. Weed? No shit? Yeah, no shit, she replied. Draper paused. That may be useful, almost thinking out loud. Resigning herself to the task at hand, she blew out a deep breath. So you really want me to pull the plug? Draper responded quickly. Don't think of it that way. You've done good work, but we haven't found what we're looking for. We need another approach to accelerate the timeline. I've got another board meeting coming up in December, and I've got to show progress. Better yet, I need answers. She chewed her lip as she listened. Draper, the head of a massive multinational criminal operation called the organization, one that he had built and hidden in plain sight, was worried about a board meeting. She rolled her eyes. Only a bunch of corporate corrupt douchebags would drag their stiff-ass business practices into a criminal enterprise. She rolled her shoulders, which were beginning to tighten as a stress response. She was disgusted to hear him talk that way. In the past, he wouldn't have answered to anyone. The organization was his brainchild. But now there were just too many stakeholders. As he had told her recently, you can't kill them all. She'd accepted that until her most recent assignment. It was obvious to her that Draper's original idea of the organization had taken root and grown far beyond what he had envisioned. What she had envisioned, for that matter. Grounded in corporate corruption, the organization had taken on all of the shitty attributes of a large corporation, specifically sprawl and mission creep. Now there were just too many voices in the room, all of them used to giving orders. In her mind, the organization, as it currently existed, was a time bomb, waiting to go off. And when it did, it would go nuclear. The old Draper would have known this. But he had changed, and doubt was now beginning to cloud his judgment. Not good. Something's got to change, she thought. She snapped out of her thoughts and swallowed her doubt, ignoring the bitter aftertaste. Okay, I'll get it done. I can get into his offices without leaving a footprint, but I still hate this common criminal shit. We could have just done this from the first place, and I wouldn't have wasted so much time being... She caught herself and bit her lip pensively. I just wouldn't have wasted so much fucking time. Draper offered a sympathetic tone. I know it's not working, though. We, or rather you, are not getting anywhere. The way I see it, we've got two options. Get him out of town so you can find out what we're looking for in his office. Or we grab his ass, interrogate him, and throw him down a dark hole. Maybe I'm getting soft. I like the first option better. Less chance for blowback. She shrugged. Yeah, he continued. We need to plan now. We need him and his brother out of town for a few days to do this right. If I can set something up, can you manage to get in their office? She thought a moment. I heard Luke's going to the Bahamas. I'll find out when. Jack will be the problem. He doesn't go anywhere. We'll need a compelling reason for him to leave, she said almost thinking out loud. She heard the gears in Draper's head moving. A few beats later, he said, I've got an idea. I don't think you're going to like it. I think we're a little too far down the road to care if I'm going to like it. You mentioned he's got a taste for weed, Draper continued. 
That's an understatement. Draper continued unfazed. I'm thinking we could arrange some work for him at Greenleaf, the Canadian marijuana farm. Magnus's money laundering operation. Draper's girl was silent for a moment before letting all hell break loose. Please tell me you're joking with Magnus? That asshole, he could fuck up a one-float parade. Just hearing Magnus's name set her off, reminding her of their first encounter when Magnus made lewd comments and slapped her ass, initially mistaking her for a secretary. Magnus eventually recovered from a broken arm and the stitches on his forehead had healed nicely. Now, she just regarded him as a complete piece of shit, while Magnus was simply terrified of her. Draper calmly replied, I know you're not a fan. Oh, really? Am I that transparent? She said. But you have to admit, it makes a lot of sense. Draper's girl was silent on the other end. Draper knew she was doing the calculus in her head, that she'd eventually put the mission above her personal animosity with Magnus. A few seconds later, she came around. If Magnus fucks this up, I'm going to put him down, she said coldly. Draper knew that this was nothing more than a statement of fact. Look, if he fucks up, he's all yours. However, if you can't find out how Jack Glasser is pulling his trades off, you're going to have to put him down too. Any scrutiny about those trades will eventually lead to us. And believe me, that can't happen. You can do that, right? She shifted her weight onto the other leg and took a deep breath of chilly desert air. She stared at the brilliant stars glimmering in the jet black sky, free from the light pollution of the city. The shadow of her well-carved physique and long hair barely moved as she considered what Draper was asking. She finally answered, Yeah, I can do that. 